This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of practical shepherding. And I'm joined, as always, with Jim Sevastio. We're going to get started here in just a minute, but I want to encourage you to, to go to practicalshepherding.com. You can find all of our resources there. You can find ways to reach out and contact us if there's a way we can serve you. You can give a financial gift at the donate page there. All kinds of ways you can get involved and engage with us. You can also give suggestions of podcast episodes you would like for us to tackle. Go to the contact page there and write those. You can find me on social media and you can respond there to give us some ideas. We appreciate the ideas. We get a lot of them, so we're obviously not able to cover them all in the next round, but we do keep track of them and, and try to get to them if we can. So give us those suggestions. We would love to hear from you in that way. You can also go and and uh, write reviews for us wherever you're listening to this this podcast, but we're grateful to hear regularly from many of you. We're thankful that this is helpful to you. And one of the ways we, we try to be helpful is we dive right back into the topic, Jim, so we don't spend too much time in the beginning. So we want to do that. For this particular episode, we want to talk about pastoral lament. And we're going to put that topic out there, and then we're going to spend some time explaining what it is. But uh, the, the idea that pastors in particular have to know how to biblically lament and to understand what that is and how we do it. Uh, pastors uniquely deal with pain and suffering and sadness in their own life. They're walking with people in the church, Jim, their family. The pastors mm-hmm. are in a unique spot where we're just surrounded by suffering and difficulty and, and pain. And how do we? How does a pastor deal with that and, and in a sense not lose his, his mind or his faith mm-hmm. and, and all those kinds of things? So we want we want to talk about this this topic because every single pastor has to face this. And we're either facing this in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. And it usually results in things like burnout, fatigue, depression, discouragement, mm. all those kinds of even worse decisions that we make because we find ourselves in a place where we don't know how to deal with the pain and suffering mm. of our lives and ministry. So, Jim, how would you start us off from a biblical perspective on this topic? Brian, there's a lot of ways we can uh, discuss this reality, and I think you know, I mean, we have to start, obviously, with the reality that we live in a world that has fallen in which there is, uh, uh, we're under the curse, and so there is sickness, and there is dying, and there is sin, and there is uh, people that uh, don't get along uh, with one another. Uh, and I think, Brian, when you look more specifically at ministry, very striking of our Lord. Our Lord is described as a man of sorrows, as one who is acquainted with grief. Uh, the Apostle Paul speaks openly about uh, the sorrow that was attendant in his own ministry for a variety of reasons. Uh, he says, for instance, in Romans chapter 9 and verse uh, 2, talking about uh, the unbelief of Israel, that I have great sorrow and continual grief um, in my heart. And then he's also able to say later on uh, to the Philippians uh, in chapter 3 and verse 18, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping uh, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction. He's talking again about those that at one time appeared to be uh, fellow uh, ministers along with him. Uh, you have the record of uh, somebody like Jeremiah uh, who says in Jeremiah 9, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter uh, of my people. Uh, you have the record in uh, Psalm 119. Uh, we can uh, multiply these rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. And, and 
live in an unrighteous society. Uh, you live in a world that's uh, broken and that's sinful. Uh, you have to confront that sin. You have to live in that brokenness with other people who are affected by it, who are affected by living in a cursed world, living in a world in which people uh, express their fallenness and their sinfulness, and that affects people that we love. It affects our own families, as you said. As you said, it affects our own hearts. And so uh, to be involved in the ministry of the Word, to get close to people who are dealing with, with sorrow, is to take on sorrow ourselves. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, two two thoughts in what you mentioned. One is, I'm really glad you went to Isaiah, who describes Jesus, the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. I think you know, we, we quote that all the time. We sing the hymns about that. But I don't think we realize that how much sorrow is connected to the Messiah as, as just a identity and who he is. Mm. And, uh, and the reason I think that's important is I believe that uh, sadness uh, is the healing emotion. I, w- I want to kind of preface this conversation mm. with this. I, I believe it's fears not. Anger's not like these are all right. good Guilt is emotions to, to experience the the human human experience, but sadness is unique to me. It, it creates healing in the soul in a fallen world. I mm. think that's part of God's plan. Yeah. So I I, I see Jesus uh, uh, being a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, as something that we should be pursuing as as an aspect of who Jesus is, mm. as we try to seek seek that in our in our mm. own life. Because I, I think that's a more central role in the life of a pastor than we give credit for. I mean, let's be honest, Jim. None of us like to be sad. I mean, that's just right. not that's not where we want to go. That's not what, I, I have, part of my story is fighting against sadness. Didn't don't didn't like to be sad. Right. Don't want to be sad. Right. And missing the fact that sadness is is a part of the plan of God in the human experience. I believe for us to find healing in the soul and a, and a healthy way to to cope. Lament is the ability to cry out to God in our sadness and in our pain and in our suffering to God, and he welcomes it, and he, and he hears us. And Christian lament, by the way, is also something that's not talked about in a, in a lot of ways and, and in helpful ways. Uh, I want to go ahead and put a resource out there if you don't know about it. We've talked about it on here before, but Deep Clouds, Dark, uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, Mark Vergope, uh, the best book on Christian lament that I know of. And uh, if you don't have that book, pick it up. It is a it is a wonderful book. Mark preached through Lamentations in his own church, and that book came out of his just the, the amazing fruit that seemed to come from freeing people, even mm. encouraging people. Lament in your yeah. life, and this is how you do it. This is how you honor the Lord with it. This is how He meets you in it. So, from a pastoral perspective, we want to talk about that. One other text, though, that I, I do want to highlight is is Second um, Corinthians one where. You know, we see in the plan of God the affliction that we experience, mm. the suffering we experience, is part of the plan of God that we actually are able to uniquely comfort and care for others yeah. in that suffering. And I want to highlight that too, because as we're talking about not one, you know, sadness and embracing that in our lives, we also have to go about it with faith, knowing God has multiple ways He wants to use it in our lives. When pastors are called to care for hurting people. Uh, when we suffer ourselves in these unique ways, it, it is to equip us mm. to empathize, to co- have compassion, to be able to connect to another suffering person in a way maybe that other people cannot. So let's let's first let's approach this conversation this way, Jim. Uh, let's think of some of the categories. There's there's a bunch of different categories I would think, and I believe that 
pastors have in regard to lament. So we gave a quick definition of lament, but this is the ability to cry out to God in our pain, in our suffering, which, by the way, you know, God can handle our messiness and our our broken words of pain and suffering, and we don't know how to express it. In Romans 8 describes it as just, I think, a groaning that's too deep for words, that the Spirit then interprets, in a sense, for us. I mean, there's there's these languages all through the, the New Testament about it. Let's think of some categories, though, Jim, of what kinds of lament pastors would have. What would be one category you would throw out there that a pastor deals with regularly in his life and ministry that would require lament? Well, uh, I'm not going to categorize these in terms of any importance or top to yeah, bottom. Just I'm just going to say forth. the That's first fine. the yep. first one that comes to mind, and we've talked about this one, is the uh, pain of people leaving uh, leaving the flock, um, leaving your ministry, leaving off the friendships and the, the, the family relationships that may have been forged over years uh, together, maybe even over decades together. And uh, when somebody just comes and says someday uh, – we're not here anymore. Uh, you look out in the spot where they used to be, and you think of all of your uh, life together, uh, and it, it produces uh, a pain and a sorrow uh, in the heart. Well, it, that's a great example, and one that is uniquely tied to a pastor's ministry. Um, and I agree with you. That is definitely an aspect of lament. Let's talk a minute on that. What do you What do you think are some ways, unhealthy and unhelpful ways, pastors deal with that loss instead of lamenting instead of embracing yeah, right. the sadness of it well what's another what other ways pastors deal with a loss well, like i think that? the two ways i think again i think the the two alternatives too often to lament is is anger and guilt and so you're either angry at that person you're you're you you maybe don't realize that they've undergone their own pain that this has been difficult for them that they they have their own hurt uh, that's caused them to do this. You, you're, you're focusing on your own pain, your own sense of loss. Uh, that can lead to anger, or again, it can lead to guilt. You failed uh, your failure again. If you were a better pastor, if, uh-huh. if you were more caring, if you saw better, if you preached better, if you loved more, if you'd done this, if they, you'd done they that. They would have stayed. They, yeah. You would have stayed. If you just had that meeting, if that meeting had just gone a little bit longer, if you'd had it a week earlier, if you had said this and not that, then all of this could have been different. You could have, you could have saved it. And so you feel really guilty. Or again, conversely, you just you find yourself being bitter and angry, and that when you speak about them, you don't remember you know what they brought to you and contributed to you and the blessing they brought. You, all you remember is the end, uh, and they hurt you and they hurt the church, and and so there there can be that anger. Yeah, those are two good. I mean, good examples. Of, I think the classic ways to show up in that way, and 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 those two ways I want to emphasize prevent you. From engaging in the sadness, of it. right? Like you, you just don't allow yourself to go to the sorrow. You instead you go to anger. Instead you go to guilt, maybe even fear. Like fear would probably right. be, um, oh, you know, who else is gonna, who else right. is gonna leave for the right. same reasons? The influences that that family had on everybody, and so there, I, we, I want to take a minute to highlight that, Jim, because that's a great example of the way a lot of pastors process someone leaving. But what we want to emphasize is that this, that's a great example of no, the, the proper response, the healthy response is just allow yourself to feel sadness that they're, mm. that they're leaving. Take that to the Lord. And, right. I mean, take your anger, take your fear to the Lord. You can handle all of it. But, but there's that idea of lament is, God, I don't understand. You know, I'm mm. sad they're leaving. But sadness, you can see how sadness can be a healing agent 
because those other things you're talking about just makes you just pile on that much more of uh, of a failure, guilt, anger, which leads to bitterness. That is the slippery slope that comes with a lot of yeah, this. Yeah, and I think as you said, Brian, I mean, our Lord is a man of sorrow. He wasn't a man of bitterness, and he wasn't yeah. a man of anger, and he wasn't a man of guilt, but he was a man of sorrow. There's no sin in that sorrow. Yeah. And uh, there, there, there's certainly sin in the bitterness, and there certainly can be a lot of sin in the anger. Yeah. Uh, but, but that it is our, our Lord hurt, and it's okay to hurt. And I think it, that's to say that we can take that as a matter of faith and bring that sadness and sorrow to the Lord in a way that I mean, yeah, take your anger to the Lord too, but take it there to be crucified, yeah. and take your guilt there to be crucified. But I think you can spread out your 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 sorrow with a sense of his sympathy uh, to entering into that sorrow and and an understanding of it. Yeah, that's good. I'll throw another one out there. I think there is reason for pastoral lament as we care for suffering people that we love. Right. Um, There is, you know, there's a unique burden that happens to a pastor when suffering in the church happens because you have your own, you have your own uh, grief with it. You are trying to care for a, a church, a whole church that's grieving and needs your care. Right, and then you have a, your family who's going to have their own version of of grief. I, you know, I, I think of a few tragedies that happened in our church, and I remember just the feeling uniquely overwhelmed at the idea that somehow now I'm supposed to grieve, I'm supposed to help my family grieve, and I'm supposed to help our whole church grieve in some right. way. And if if what ends up happening usually is we don't feel like we have the capacity to do all that grief. So we we put our own grief aside and we go care for the grieving people in our mm. church. Or we put our own grief aside and we go care for our wife and kids who are, who are grieving. The problem is we bypass our own grief and, and lament in that way. And so we have to be careful to make sure we realize pastoral lament is about not lamenting just on the behalf of others. We can do that. But it's it's lamenting our own sorrows and our own sadness to the Lord. And there's a... There's a healing aspect to that when we bring that to God. Because, I mean, the the suffering that our people are going through, the people we love, so we're dealing with their own personal stuff, but then we we hurt for those people. Yeah, and I think, Brian, I just want to just piggyback on that. I think there's something in the, you know, the reality that you found in the Jewish culture of 40 days of mourning over a loss. And, and, you know, again, not to say that, okay, 40 days is over now, it's time to be done, and you can't be sad about this anymore. Right. But, but it is recognizing that uh, grief and sorrow and mourning are not necessarily something like, okay, it's here, let's get it over with as quickly as possible. Right. I think that's part of the American mindset that sadness, you know, sadness and depression, I think, are two different things. Yeah. But if we're feeling a little blue, we're feeling a little melancholy, our first thought is something's wrong, something's off, instead of something's human. Something's, this that's is actually right. part, what do I expect? This is what I should anticipate living yeah. in a world where people die, where where families are broken apart, yeah. where this miscarriages is- happen and and stillbirths happen, and uh, you know kids leave the faith or they commit sins that break their parents' hearts, or sin is discovered in in the home. Um, that's it, that's not an unusual. It, it's here is the curse. 
in a sense, it's temporary. It's not always going to be here, but this is our lot, and this is the lot in life in which we minister. Yeah. And and so to sit with it, to live long enough with it, and to remember it, and to and to allow it to linger, to allow a loss to linger for more than a day, or more than a week, or you know, more even more than a month, I think is a healthy pattern that God gave to His people. Yeah. Uh, particularly as you see it expressed in the old covenant. Yeah, that's an excellent point, and and I think that. One of the reasons we want to take time to talk about this in regard to this particular issue you're talking about, so many of the things you just listed, as you're listening to them, one of the things that's rolling in my head is, man, those are so many things that a pastor just cannot fix. Right. So how do I respond to this? Well, and by the way, a sign that you do not know how to enter in to sadness and sorrow and lament is your first response to all these things you can't fix is to try to fix them anyway. Right. And so my encouragement to you is is to be mindful of this is not a pastor a pastor's role oftentimes is not about trying to fix something. Sometimes it is, but oftentimes it's sitting with suffering people yeah. and being empathetic and compassionate with them and sit in their sorrow, you know, with them and that's actually how we how we minister to them in a in a unique way. So, what's right. a, what's another what's another aspect area of lament for a pastor? You think, Jim? Uh, I think sometimes feeling uh, ineffectual in your ministry, and maybe this is touched on what you you said just a moment ago. And I want to put it, Brian, and maybe into maybe three categories quickly. And one of those is that when. Uh, an unbeliever for whom you're laboring remains impenitent, though you've been preaching your heart out evangelistically. You've offered Christ warmly and passionately. You have given both the warnings and the wooings of the scriptures, the the thunderings of Sinai and the sweet strands of Calvary. As people say, you know, you've done all of that, and yet they remain unmoved. Um, they they persist in their sin. So that that's that's one aspect of it. A second thing I have found sometimes is that when a believer is not comforted, mm. um, you 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 know that they're hurting, you know that they're struggling, and you you may have designed a particular sermon series uh, with them in mind, and you prayed for them, and it feels like it fell flat, or yeah. it wasn't the yeah. help that you you longed uh, for it to be, or the word is not producing uh, the life changing sanctification, you know, the, that when uh, sin is confronted or sin is exposed in the preaching and you're thinking, I hope this husband hears this, I hope the dad hears this, I hope the mom hears this, I hope the rebellious kid hears this, you know, whatever it is that you are challenging them on and, and pointing them to repentance and to faith and to Christ, and and it just seems to go, goes, uh, yeah. it just bounces off like a Nerf gun, yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, and you're you're just you, you realize nothing's changed. Maybe you feel that a lot. Nothing's changed. Everything's the same. I've brought the word for a year. Everybody's the same. Nobody's deepening. Nobody's changing. Nobody's more like Christ. Whatever it is, and you feel like a failure, or whatever the case may be, or you even struggle with your faith. Lord, are you, is your word powerful? Or are these your people? Am I their shepherd? All of those things that come in with that kind of an experience. Those are really helpful things. And I, as you were mentioning all those, Jim, I, I, I was thinking about how uh, so often all those things lead to discouragement mm. in a pastor. Yeah, and 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 this is something to hear from this one of. One of the ways to deal with your discouragement is to allow yourself 
to feel the sorrow and sadness yeah, of the things exactly. that are discouraging you. Right. Instead, we just kind of sit in the discouragement. Well, well again, what if sadness does heal the soul? Like, mm. What if that is true? What if that is the way God has designed things? It, you're just allow yourself to feel the sorrow and sadness and lament to the Lord over the things you're discouraged. That, that actually might be a really helpful way to deal with discouragement in our lives. Mm. Instead of just piling on and beating ourselves up like you were talking about. Is it, you know, so is this is there is it their hard hearts? Is it my ineffectiveness? Is it well maybe maybe it's just the way it is right now. Mm. And the way to deal with it is to embrace the the sorrow of that. I have another one I want to mention that piggybacks really closely with what you're t- talking yeah. about, but I think it's it's enough to where it needs to be separately talked about. And that is uh the a, a sorrow and lament over our the the clear limitations we feel mm. as human beings, mm. so that can show up in a lot of ways. I well, I can't fix the situation. Right, it can show up as you know I can't I can't do things to the level or the the capacity that I could do them twenty years ago. Yeah, both of us have watched in both of our lives. We've been friends long enough to where neither one of us can do some of the things we did ten years, fifteen, twenty years ago. And that's just part of life, but that that's a that's a capacity issue. That's a that's a limitations issue. The physical limitations that we feel as pastors, you know, I, I I'll talk to a lot of pastors who are discouraged and don't know how to deal with just the the physical pain they're in, or you know the the limitations physically they have in some mm. way that allows them to not be able. You know, they used to be able to. Preach this much now that they, they're they're more fatigued when they preach, mm. or they're more mm. they, they can't they can't stay up late reading at night anymore. They they whatever whatever it is, but there's actually yeah. a uh, the limit the sadness that comes by getting older and spending ourselves in the way we do. Uh, it just a, a friend of mine who's been in the ministry 25 years said this to me recently, very in a very helpful way. He said, you know, I I just I can't read and comprehend and focus nearly as long as mm. I used to be able to. And hit the adjustments he's talked about, when he has to prepare his sermon, when he reads, when he folk, what time of day he has to do that. He's had to adjust all of that. Mm. There are limitations, whether we acknowledge them or not. And those are things to lament. That, you know, as yeah. we get older and have the least, l- less capacity, yeah, let's find a strategy to work smarter, not harder. But on <laughs> the other side, let, let's actually pastoral lament over acknowledging and seeing our limitations is a is an appropriate thing for us to embrace in regard to in in sadness as a way to be able to deal with mm-hmm. that. So maybe one more for you. Uh, yeah. Well, can I have two more? You can. <laughs> okay. You can do whatever you want, Jim. Thanks, Brian. This no, is your not, podcast. No, it's not. So, I, I just like mine. Saying, so. I am. Yeah. We, we can I, do whatever am, we want. I'm your wingman. Um, <laughs> I think that when I'm going to say broadly speaking, the state of the church. Uh, we were talking earlier today, uh, Brian and I met with another pastor, and we're having lunch together, and, and one of the things that's at least happened in my own life as I've gotten older um, is that I'm thinking more and more about the future, and part of this, I, I, I just had another grandchild, so I've got two grandkids, I've got a three-year-old and a one-month-old, and I'm thinking about the world that they're going to, to live in, and I'm, and I'm going to break that down into two, two groups, the, 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 the church uh, and then American society, if they grow up in this in this country, uh, you know, streams of water run down from my eyes because men don't keep your commandments. You know, you, you look at the state of the church, and in some ways you say, 
um, you know, the state of the American church, you know, that there are some issues that, that are that are healthy, that are good, that are encouraging. But it doesn't take long, Brian, to be discouraged. It doesn't take long to be discouraged. If, right. If you have a Twitter account and you follow pastors interacting with other pastors, you want to weep. I mean, you either want to tear your head out, tear your hair out, tear your head off. No, tear your tear your hair Those, out. Both would be bad. Yeah, that would be bad. Well, the hair's not so bad. <laughs> that that can grow back at least for some of us. Um, but you have you know that, or you're angry, or you're frustrated. But sometimes it's just. It's just sad. Yeah. You, you know, a, yep. a guy can't make a statement about anything without being challenged, you know. Yeah. I think water is wet, wet. What are you, a wimp? What are you, a Marxist talking about water being wet? You know, whatever the case might be. So I think there's that. And then there is the state of the society in which we live. And, and uh, there's not a lot that's really encouraging about the trajectory of American society. The world that my kids are going to grow, my grandkids are going to grow up in. You know, you look at the old, you know, people talk about, oh, if you were born after, you know, 19, uh, you know, before 1980, you know, in a world without, you know, cassettes and CDs and DVDs, you know, VHS and yeah. all of that kind of stuff, uh, the analog world and the, you know, whatever, the black and white television world. And, and you know, and that's one thing. That's quaint. That's fun. But I grew up in a world where there wasn't any gay marriage. There, there, weren't, there weren't drag queen uh, reading parties. There, there, there wasn't transgenderism being shoved down our throat. Uh, there wasn't the, you know, again, all of the things that we see, uh, the celebration of abortion, the, you know, whatever it, it is. You know, my, my, my grandkids have never know, will never know a world in which those weren't. Uh, those came into being in my lifetime. And what's it going to go? You, you look at it and you say, it's just sad. It's a, it's a, you know, and, and are there things we can do? Yeah, certainly. I think there are things maybe there's a church can do as we pray, as we labor, as we try to prepare things. But, but on the other hand, you look at it and it's just the sadness of a world gone mad in sin. And uh, so the, just the idea of the need to lament just the, the world we're in and where it's headed in so many ways. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, just seeing it, seeing where it is and, okay. and, and recognizing, you know, lawless because lawlessness will increase. Uh, the love of many will grow cold. And, yep. and, and, you know, there's that, that's, I think that that's, that's grounds for sorrow. You, you, I think you referenced Romans eight earlier, uh, the groaning of the world in which we yep. live and, yep. and the longing for the Creation's world to come, groaning. right. Yep. And yep. just longing for the world to come. Last couple minutes. I'd like for us to turn to, let's think of some just practical ways that pastors can engage lament in these different areas. So, so we mentioned several of these areas. Hopefully it resonates with a lot of the pastors who would be listening. But practical ways to engage the grief, engage the sad. You know, how do we recognize, okay, I'm I'm angry or I'm bitter. Okay, I need to deal with that. And and so how do I engage this lament? How do I engage sadness? Let's maybe spend the last couple of minutes on some practical ways to engage with that. Okay, so the first thing I think, again, I think we need to have this as a category. And it, it was very helpful to me. And, and Brian, you're, you've, you've helped me to see this. And Mark's book helped me to see this in ways that I'm trying to think, where, what am I feeling and where is this? And related to a number of these things we've yep. talked about. Yep. And I realized, you know, the, the, the futility of the anger and the futility of the guilt. But I thought, really, what I am feeling is a sadness. So I had to understand, I had to have a category for it. 
And then mm. I think the difference between just being sad and what we would call lamenting is taking it to the Lord. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think Mark may use this phrase in his book, faith-filled sadness. Uh, if he doesn't, yeah. then that I've, I've it's something. <laughs> it's either that or it's either that or something very similar to I've that. I've at least yeah. picked that up. Yeah, faith yeah. Faith-filled sadness. So that works itself out in prayer. I think. <clears throat> it's appropriate that it work itself out in our discussions with our friends and our family. Yeah, yeah. And that we say to people, and people ask me now, it's not uncommon when people say, how are you doing? I say, well, I'm, I am, I'm sad. I, I'm, I'm facing a number of things, not in my own life, not yeah. in my own, uh, I'm not sad for my, uh, my, my marriage. I'm not sad about necessarily my ministry, but I'm, but I'm sad about what people are going through, uh, the losses that they're enduring, uh, the, 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 the harsh, realities and in, in family life right now that some are going but, the marriage that's coming that, apart that's an honest answer yeah and I and, good. And just and, yeah. but i'm trying to help people to have this as a category yeah, too that's good. so that i'm expressing it myself and i'm using in a sense to say to them as well to teach them to say this is a category for you too yeah that's good uh that's a great place to start i, I would add to that uh the knowing that you need to take your laments to the lord and one of the ways to engage this is to also take it to another human being. Mm-hmm. So um, it, sometimes our laments to the Lord, though they're all over the Psalms and uh, throughout the Bible, uh, can still feel maybe a bit abstract, sometimes connecting to another human right. in person. So I would encourage you to, I think a general practice as a pastor and pastoral lament is regularly lament to the Lord, connect mm-hmm. to the sadness and the right. grief, and then Talk, share it with someone else who can kind of hold that that spot for you, hold that space for you to be able to be sad and and to lament and grieve. And uh, and one of the things I would say, if you want to be a, somebody who can absorb someone else's sadness, is you got to be able to just sit in it with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pure sign, the, the pure sign that we do not know how to sit in grief and sadness is that as soon as somebody shows up that way, yeah. we try to talk it away. We, we right. try to, we try to fix it. We try to, but we can't just sit in it. The ministry of presence is so crucial with grieving people. And the ministry of tears. And, and, and that's right. So yeah. I, I think the, the idea that we need to lament to the Lord, but then we, we also have to engage that grief with another person. And when Roman says weep with those who weep, he, I believe Paul is capturing an idea that brings healing to the soul. It's it's yeah. when a, you connect to another human being in your sadness, and they will sit with you in it. So maybe one more practical. Yeah, thing. I would say I think there needs to be some kind of a public forum for this, and and that is uh, there's a recognition that a third of the psalms are psalms of lament. Yeah, that there be something in our hymnody that expresses sorrow and lament. I think we we as Americans we tend to want the happy side of Christianity, the rejoice yeah, always that's, part that's of good. it. Yep. And I remember Carl Truman had an article years, I think it was Carl Truman called What Can a Sad Christian Sing? And it was just he was lamenting the reality that there was almost no lament in any Christian music anymore, whereas Christian music of the past had much of it in it. Mm. And so maybe connecting your people to some older hymns uh, that in which this was a, a greater reality as well as in our prayers, our pastoral prayers, or our prayers congregationally, that there be a time when we say, brethren, let's let's express our sadness and our sorrow before the Lord in this. That's good. My last practical uh, comment on this is the amount of the layers of ministry that happens if a pastor embraces lament in front of his church. Yeah. So to preach those psalms, 
Right. To I preached lamentation shortly after I read Mark's book. I was so in, uh, impacted by it, and that was incredibly fruitful in our church be, hmm. because it, if it did nothing else, it gives the congregation the category of lament. Right. What do I do with this? So, but pastors to grieve in front of your people. I made the mistake. It's part of my story, but I made the mistake for many years as a husband and as a pastor to think my role is to not show up sad and grieving. Right. That's the way I'm strong for the people who are hurting. Yeah. And that's just not at all the way. It's yeah. the exact opposite of what we're talking about. And I learned it's the exact opposite way of, of I, I, I made my wife feel very alone in suffering because I wasn't suffering with her. I, I did the same thing to our congregation. When I started to allow myself to grieve with them and did it publicly so people could see me grieve, they engage their grief. And I, I think that's the unique spot. If a pastor embraces this idea, he can minister to his congregation through his own grief. And I think that's the key to grieve in all three of these areas. When you're grieving yourself, your family's grieving, the church is grieving, one of the ways to kind of in, in activate all of that together is that the pastor grieves mm-hmm. and he grieves with the people who are hurting with him. So, mm-hmm. Jim, can we, would you take a moment as yeah. we wrap this, just pray for... One, pastors to be able to engage this, but also to to give them strength and grace as they do it. Our Father, we thank you that you uh, have a heart to be afflicted in our afflictions. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for a Savior who was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the promise of a world to come in which there will be no more tears no more sorrow, no more curse. But Father, in the as we live in this age, this present age, we do pray, Father, you'll help us to uh, enter into the sorrows of those to whom we minister. Help us, Father, in uh, working through uh, our own sadness and disappointment and grief before you in association with our labors. Help us, Father, not to... Uh, uh, to fixate in a wrong way on them. Help us, Lord, not just to hold them in our hearts, but, Lord, to share them with you and with others. Father, aid us in being a comfort, and where we have known comfort in our sorrow, may we comfort others also, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.